Tell me how I'm wrong. You said tell me how I'm wrong. Well, that was... Really? Yeah. Were we recording yeah. yet? Can we go back and ch- check the we, tapes? We, we weren't, but we are now. <laughs> okay, well, then I'm clearly not ready to introduce the show because I apparently don't no, know No, I think name. it's your turn. I think... <laughs> To our show called We Talk About Our Incorrectness. Gross. You're wrong about the name of the show. Tell me why I'm wrong. America's favorite podcast about why Sophie um, and I are wrong. America's? We've, whoa. We've like. The internets? We've, well, the world's. The world's. The world's. It's the world's fa- favorite as, podcast. As I point out, there are really very few podcasts about why Sophie and I are wrong. This might be the only one. If you can Could find another doing- one, we want to know. And, you know, I think I made this joke last season. You know, if you're interested, go ahead and start your own podcast about why we're wrong. <laughs> that would be great. I'd listen. <laughs> yeah, I would not. <laughs> I'd give it a shot. I can't commit to, like, putting it in my regular rotation, but I'd, ch- I'd check it out. So on this podcast, we do a thing where one of us doesn't know something but feels very opinionated and, and gives their all to explain why and then gets schooled by the other person uh, who probably knows more about that thing. Although in this case, that might not be in today's episode's case. That might not be true. And then we switch. And this time around, we're, we're doing an episode called Reductions. Yeah. So this is, this is season two, episode six. This will be our last regular episode of the season. Um, you know, if we're if we're feeling up for it, maybe we'll do a uh, maybe we'll do another bonus episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, this is our last episode of the season. So thanks to everyone for listening. It's been a lot of fun, and and you know uh, whether or not we do a bonus episode, there'll be a short break before we come back for season three because we've got to come up with some new topics. Yeah, we got to think things in our brains. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Them all up in there. Yeah, and the theme of this episode sort of came about because we tend to, well, I don't know if we tend to, but sometimes we get really reductive and we just like assert things and we're like, no, this is just true. And Speak that's... for yourself, Sophie. <laughs> yeah, Amos, you're the king of nuance. Um, mm. And <laughs> and uh, this time we're going to just take advantage of that, capitalize on it, as it were, and uh, and say some reductive things and then see if we can inflect them with more nuance Mm, yes we will inflict nuance upon each other's positions (laughs) inflect 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 (laughs) so um so should we get started yeah sophie take us away all right so i'm gonna start us off and i'm gonna say this words have meaning amos Mm. and if you actually understood what i'm saying you already agree Oh! <laughs> if I said I was bringing you a plate of bacon and instead I brought you a hat full of live snails, you'd mind. In part because you expected a plate of bacon because I said plate of bacon. This is an extreme argument, but so is the one encapsulated by the phrase I'm sure you're going to use later. Meaning is use. As far as I can tell, people who say that only mean it insofar as they want it to serve their own purposes. You want to argue a word means what you use it to mean because it suits you, but you still want everyone else to mean bacon when they say bacon. Mm-hmm. Words are complex entities made up of layers of sometimes contradictory meanings, and that's what makes them great. Take cleave, for example. It means both to cut apart and to stick together. Or privilege, which has its root in the idea of a private law, a really useful way of understanding the concept. Or prestige, which we uh, use to denote something fancy and elite and exclusive and excellent, but which comes out of the idea of a ruse or a trick, the joke being on us this time. 
Words change, but they keep their old meanings too. For example, I notice people in my line of work describe things as heady, uh, things that are overly intellectual or abstract when really it means overwhelming or thrilling. Or people might say something is plastic if it's artificial or stiff, when initially the word described fluidity. And that's all okay, but don't pretend it doesn't cause confusion or overlaps in meaning, which is good for poets and people who love language. But language only works if words mean something. So, bacon me why I'm snails. Sophie, that was that was great. I love your example of cleave. The, the other one that goes with that is fast. Mm. Right, mm-hmm. like so you can hold something fast, or you can make something fast, and it gets away. And I think that there's a third one too, and I, I can't remember what it is now. But I, I love those. Uh, yeah, me too. Those homophones, and that's why it's fun. But here, so I, you know, there's a lot of truth in what you say, and and in but wait, fact, they're not uh, just homophones because they're spelled exactly the same way too. Okay. So there's Homin- actually homonyms? the same. It's, uh, the sa- it's the same I don't word. Know. So I, 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 I honestly don't know whether those are etymologically the same or if they're just homonyms that come from different roots. I, well, I that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but, but I don't yeah, think it really okay. matters for the purpose of the discussion. But I think the word prestige. I think that's a perfect perfect um, example of why you're wrong. Um, so so you said that prestige mean comes from a word meaning uh, a trick, which. Right. Which like that great. movie, which I never watched, called The Prestige, which is which about is, magicians, which is, right? Exactly, which is a great movie. And I didn't... Is it a great movie? Oh, it's, it's awesome. Okay. I love that movie. Love it. It's, that's my favorite uh, Christopher Nolan movie. And um, oh, sometimes people want to fight me about that, but they're wrong <laughs> and I'm right. <laughs> I'm not going to fight you. Uh, right. So I, I had Not no on idea. that anyway. Yeah, you'll fight me about something else. I sure will. Uh, I had no idea that that prestige came from a word meaning a trick Mm -hmm. and literally zero times in my life have I ever meant a trick when I said prestige or understood someone else to mean a trick. But isn't it great knowing that? Because then you're like all of this stuff about our obsession with prestigiousness and prestige. It's all, we're we're just, we're all being scammed all the time. I mean, that's actually true, right? That's that's actually appropriate. That's crazy. It's awesome. It's, you, no, it's not crazy. You can think it's awesome. It's but, all artificial. The but, whole thing is a. It's a. It's completely constructed to to pull the wool over your eyes. The entire idea of prestige. Well, prestigious things generally. Maybe, maybe, but but you can't make that argument just based on etymology. And if you understand the word prestige to mean a trick, every time you hear it, you're going to be confused by a lot of things people say. Language is a graveyard of dead metaphors. Someone said that. Someone smart. I forget who. Dead metaphors. Dead metaphors. Yeah. What right? is that supposed like, to mean? So that's how that's that's how the meanings of words change. Metaphorically? Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Someone uses a word metaphorically or, or someone uses a word in a way that's a little bit outside the way it's normally used. Uh-huh. And I don't think that's the same as a metaphor, though, is it? No, it's not. It's not. I mean, a metaphor is one way of using a word yeah, outside yeah, yeah, the okay. way it's normally used. Um, but eventually, it like, you know, as words change meaning, the quote unquote metaphorical meaning becomes the primary one and the old one drops away and no one even remembers it. Some people remember Writers like to get really hung up on these etymological (laughs) meanings. I don't think it's about being hung up. I think it's about using your craft. If you are, if you're, if your craft is whittling and you have a Swiss army knife and you're only using that one blade to whittle, you're not using, you're not using all your tools for your whittling, for your stick whittling, which it was, we talked about is my new hobby or could be, I haven't taken it it up yet. You will, maybe, (laughs) but, but you know, the point is like, if, if, uh the the secondary meaning or the hidden meaning or the the older meaning that you want to um 
that you want to have resonance in your work needs to be something that people actually know. What people, though? Your readers. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if I use the word meat in a work, and, I'm, and I think I'm being, like, M-E-A-T, and I yeah. think I'm being clever because meat used to mean food in general, not just, like, the flesh of animals. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's not going to get me very far unless anyone reading it knows that. Well, I don't know. First of all, we have to talk at some point about your, like, utter disdain slash, like, your turnoff of things that are clever in art. You're, like, oh, you're always, like, I don't want them to be too clever. That's A. But okay, let's, we, let's table we'll that. We'll table that. But B, like... Don't come at me with your smart. That's <laughs> my job. Um, but wait, like, okay, so you're, you might be right that... Mo- I, I think we're going to have the same problem that we had in that poetry discussion season one. Like, who are these people? And, and we don't really well, know who they are. But, okay. but like, but like mo- many people, let's say, like, even if I don't know that in the past people would say meat to mean food in general, we do use meat in, like again, a metaphorical way to mean a substance in general, right? Like the meat of the argument or the meat of the speech, right? Like the main meat of the, right? And so like, I don't know, I kind of feel like it would resonate or be suggested, you know, if the work also had other, you know, markers that pointed in that direction. Uh Yep. Yeah, right. So let me let me back up because I feel like we're we're sort of dancing around the edges instead of me just sort of coming out and saying what I think about words and how language works. Uh, you know, as, as you said, I I, I I'm back. someone. <laughs> I'm someone who who thinks that that uh, meaning is use. So what words mean is how we use them, uh, or 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 words get their meaning from how how we use them or what we use them to mean. So uh, it used to be that the sound meat, and that's what it is. It's a sound uh, was used to refer to food in general, and then it got narrowed. The the meaning was got narrowed down to just mean animal flesh. Now it's taken on these other meanings as well. And I I don't know when it picked those up. It uh, it may well have been before it came to mean animal flesh. If there Um, are linguists listening, please let us know. Let us know. Or, or like deer used to mean Mm -hmm. wild animal. Right. Sure. Um, now, uh, Sometimes people... And some of these things are still in use, right? It's not a timeline, a chronology. Like when, right. when Americans right, right. say corn, it's different than what British people mean when they say corn. Yeah, right. Great example. Great example. Um, Why, thanks. Yeah. But, but the point is like, like if, I, if I talk about maize as corn and then you, an intellectual, come to me and say, <laughs> actually... <laughs> I think you can as an intellectual too. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was that was a um, that was a Twitter joke. Uh, oh, well, I'm not on Twitter. I know. Uh, but if, but if then if you say, well, actually, um, corn means grain. You know, if you go back to its Germanic roots, then it, it, corn refers to any grain. And if you want to talk about, uh, you know, this stuff from America, it's really maize. Uh, I'm going to say like that. That's cool. But you know, normal people when they're talking, they use the word in America. We use the word corn to mean to mean what you're calling maize. And there's nothing wrong or incorrect about that. That's just the word that we use to talk about that. Um, and so I think, you know, the, the word, the word corn means what we use it to mean. And there's no, there's no meaning inherent in it. And as soon as like, like when a word stops being used to mean something, it loses that meaning. Um, I don't know. Am I, am I making sense here? You're totally making sense. I don't agree with you because I, I don't. I don't think we're, I think words like accrue meanings, and I think like I think that 
there are some so, like no, it's a spectrum. I, I like do, some some words like have archaic meanings that nobody is like really aware of. Yeah. But, but most words have lots of sort of layers of meaning that, that people might know. And I guess the question I would have is like, this is I mean, and I, it's, I agree it's all with social, that. right? Language is social. Yes. So you keep saying we, point. like this is how we use the word. But mm-hmm. who is the we, and how many people used need to be using a word in a certain way for the meaning to but, change? And who gets to be a th- authority on it? Is it like Miriam Webster, who's like no, now a, now a Twitter no, that's celebrity. The whole point. There is no there is no authority because it is social whoa wait hold on are you saying that things that are social don't have authorities no no <laughs> well no 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 but i'm i'm saying like in i guess i'm i'm saying that that is this is a there's no uh the dictionary doesn't get to tell you what words mean it, it actually that's the only thing the dictionary gets to do that that and sort of hold up your your uh your window or something or, or you hold like open pressing, your door pressing flowers yeah no so like dictionaries can say this word means that but they don't actually con- like they don't actually control that and well and they're, dis- they're supposed to be responsive despite, to way that the well, word that words I mean, they, are being used it's, it's they it's, disagree about it's that. Re- it's reciprocal it can be a reciprocal relationship well, right so so some dictionaries think about it that way others are are think about it differently and there's there's this distinction between you know descriptivist uh, approaches versus prescriptivist. So, so prescriptivists would say like, uh, this is the correct usage of this word. This is how this word is supposed to be used. And the descriptivist would say, this is how this word is used. This is how, this is how people use this word. But again, now, it has to be a certain number of people in a certain number of contexts sure. and they have to be mainstream contexts, right? In order for these dictionary people to even know it's happening. Right. Like if there's a word that I use in my household in a silly way and it, be, it sort of has this special family meaning, that's – no one's going to – I wouldn't I wouldn't argue that meaning is used except inside my, my little intimate well, community. Sure, but it's used it's – used, right, but it's used differently in different contexts. Right. So if you use a word to mean, like if you use the word, oh, have you ever seen the movie Dogtooth? No. Okay. Um, but like if you use the word bacon to mean snails in your house, like that's fine. And words mean different things in different contexts. And maybe in your house, you use the word snails to mean, or the, the word bacon to mean snails. You know, that's going to be confusing for anyone else who shows up. And, and I would be upset if you offered me bacon and brought me snails. Um, <laughs> and, you know, as a good host, you should be, you should be, I would say, like, ethically, I would say you should be, you know, respectful of my different use of language and, and the likelihood that I am to be confused about that. But I wouldn't say that you're using the word incorrectly. Hmm. I guess, like, for right? me... Like, the problem yeah, isn't the use of language. The... the problem is tricking me about whether or not you're going to bring me some goddamn bacon. Well, that's my prestige. Yeah. It's <laughs> my right. special bacon press. Amos, I have some really prestigious bacon at my house. Don't you're going to love Don't it. Don't do that to me. <laughs> oh, but I've got all... This is, like, it's a little home movie in my head. This is so great. And, and so, like, let's, let's back up and think, like, what would the alternative be? The alternative to uh, meaning being derived from... from usage the alternative would be that there's like some sort of meaning inherent in the sounds well that that's that certainly isn't true but um but i think there is some kind of institutional meaning that adheres to the sounds that's a little bit longer term i guess for me the thing is i'm not as concerned as you are about correct versus incorrect i don't think that i'm not concerned about that at all i I don't think think people often are yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not really that worried about that, although although sometimes I have to be, right? Like, if I have a student who's using a word 
like, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it means what you think it means, right? Like, I do have to kind sure. of point that but that's, out. Right. Like, that's just a person not knowing. Like, right? Like, not knowing how to use well, a word. I guess I don't understand what the difference is then. I mean, right? So, like, so the difference is, 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 uh, is, like, you can have an idiosyncratic usage of a word. Yeah. Um, where a, a community of whatever size uses a word in a strange way. And, and again, like or let's I talk, say a, a atypical way. Yeah. And I talk, I talk about, uh, I talk about Twitter a lot and you'll see words end up like get used in, in weird ways on Twitter and, and, and it's a joke. And then a week later it's played out and everyone's bored of it. Um, and you know, it, but, but no the, wonder you're like, I don't care what the medieval meaning of this word is. I don't even care what it meant last week. But, but again, that's not, that's, that's yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but, um. Where was I going with that? Oh, right. So, but, and then there's just like someone not understanding how a word is used in the context in which they're trying to use it. Yeah. I mean, and I And those guess, are, those are different things. Right. So, so I guess like the question again is like how many people have to use a word and adopt a word? I don't know why that's it, an interesting question. Well, I, I, you don't have to think it's interesting. No, but I mean, but, but I mean but like, like you can have, have communities a, of whatever size that use no, that because use a word what in a, because your argument relies on someone using a word wrong, but then many people are using a word and they're not using it wrong; they're I using it right. No, I'm not talking. About, what's what do you mean? Because they've just changed the the meaning. They're using the word in an idiosyncratic way. Why couldn't my student be doing the exact same thing? Well, you should talk. Why to would your, then I correct it? So there's two reasons why. One, your student is submitting a paper to you, a professor. Uh, and so they're participating in the language community of like my class of your class. Exactly. Right, sure. So they should, so they need to use the, the language, they need to use language in the way that's appropriate for that language community. Um, so I think that's, that's the difference. Yeah. And you could talk to them and say, Hey, you, you're using this word here. What are you trying to say? Right. And I do say that. Right. Right. So right. then you're saying like, okay, well you, you really, you're better off using this other word instead. But that's, that's like a, uh. That's important education for the person. Sure. Um, but there may be other contexts where their usage was fine. But at a certain Because people point, would understand what they were saying. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to get into, like, I feel like this gets into, like, mean things that people say sort of across cultures. And I, I, don't, I don't really, like, want to, you know, like, those people. You mean people, sort of like language snobbery? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Like, those people have the, like, they talk wrong or something. Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not interested in, like, in, in, in being, like, a policing that or something but or like, like like that that early 90s like cultural panic about ebonics or something <laughs> exactly right i don't i i'm i don't want to be culturally I, I don't think i am culturally panicked about those things i i feel really calm so right. so, I feel so like the next I'm step okay. is to just understand that that's the same as any other language i don't right. know keep keep going well, no i mean so i guess i'm just wondering like uh i mean I'm not sure that we actually disagree that much, it turns well, out. when you say things like, like, really, it means this other thing, and you say something about the etymology of the word. Yeah. Um, that that I, I, really, I really do disagree with. Cause okay. I don't, I, don't think there's, I don't think there is any really it means apart from how the word is used. And pointing to a way the word used to be used um, doesn't necessarily tell us, how it, tell us anything about how a word is used now. Mm, okay as an historian i just i just i can't agree with that so like if you tell me like if you tell me like oh yeah deer the word deer d-e-e-r used to be used to refer to all wild animals not 
what what at the time would have been called a heart. Right. H-A-R-T, and yeah, yeah. now we call them blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's cool. But but when I say deer, I'm absolutely referring to hearts, not wild animals in general. And, and saying, pointing out the etymology is interesting, but it but again, it doesn't inform... Uh, it doesn't inform anything. It but okay, but and, but... and you can even tell a story about how it changed from one to the other, and that's fine. But it's not... But you can't tell me that deer really means wild animal because that's the uh, uh that's the etymology no no i wouldn't tell you that i don't think i am telling you that but but so for example like i think most people and and again like people can tell me i'm wrong but i think most of the time and most people most i don't know literature or something like if you were talking about like a political moment right that you would you might say the heady days if you said the heady days of the of the the heady early days of the Obama campaign okay. or the he- the heady days of 1968 like generally we mean that that's like a, a thrilling and uh sort of like emotional and right but when academics like people in my generation who are academic often talk like oh i went to this talk and it was just it was just really heady meaning sort of abstract h-e-a-d dash y like meaning right okay first of all we have a word for that it's called it's cerebral um but But what's the what's the problem it's stupid. It's dumb. You clearly, that underst- you clearly no, understood. No, I don't. Them. Because if they write me an email and say, oh, did you go to Judith, Judith Butler's talk? Wow, that was heady. For some people, that means it was so exciting. And it was, there was so much just an atmosphere yeah. of excitement to see Dr. Butler speak. But like for other people, they're, what they mean is, I couldn't make heads or tails of it. I don't know what she was talking right. about. It was, it was way too, too dense. Too abstract. Yeah. Right. And I think like. Right. So there's some ambiguity there. Right. And just because you're an academic doesn't mean you get to just like make up a word and say it means something now. Okay, but that's, that's, I mean, this is a little bit like begs the question. Yeah, which I never understand. So, I don't so, know what it means. And then it's like supposed to mean the opposite of how people use it. And well, I don't no, even know so, what it's supposed to, I don't even, I don't know, I don't even know, so I understand in, it. In informal logic, if an argument is question begging or if an argument begs the question, it means it assumes its own conclusion. So, mm-hmm. um, it assumes its own conclusion. Like, what do yeah. you mean? So, so I could say, like, um, uh, uh, cats are bad because they're um, mad already. Four, <laughs> small, four-legged, furry animals that purr and lick themselves. <laughs> and, you know, you go and basically define a cat, right? And it's like, okay, well, you're just you're just describing cats there, and then saying they're bad because they're cats, right? right. That's question begging. You're not it's not like they bite they bite you, and right. I'm allergic to them or something. Exactly. You say like, okay, we should bomb Iran because. Um, Iran is bad. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that's like that's not really an that's not really an argument. You're you're I, that's not a good example. But but yeah, it's it's an argument that that uses its own conclusion as one of the um one of the terms. Um. Anyway, and then it, that quite begging the question has more recently been used to mean uh, raises the question, right? Causes you to ask the question. Yeah, which you know. It's it, it's a little bit confusing, but you know, no one really knows the. It older... actually makes more sense, doesn't it? It does. No one, to me no anyway. one ever knew what the old one meant, <laughs> and the the only people who who are upset about it are people who studied philosophy, um, because we're like, hey, that's what we used to say, right? Uh, and now we're using this other way. But you know, we don't own the words, and um, right, and I don't own Hetty either. Yeah, but like... people are using it this other way, and there's you know, there's when both meanings are in use, then. There's a little bit of ambiguity and you need to rely on context. But you know what? Language is inherently ambiguous and, and always relies on, on – uh, you, you always need to rely on context to understand what words mean. 
Um, but I guess I feel like there's, um, I don't know. I mean, what if it's a word that like, um, like changes over time, but the people who had been using it in a certain way are still alive because it yeah. hasn't changed you know, that fast or whatever. And philosophers still use beg the question to mean uh, a circular argument. Right. But I guess I, I mean, but I again, guess I like, want to say like, do you mean use like, like speech? Because I think like, because you know, I would speech or written. Uh, well, okay. But currently being written because like people read things that are older than right. they Rit- are all the time, but then and written you know, language the, is more, is more conservative and changes and more it's, slowly well, than it's, spoken language. It's And it's more durable. Right. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to make, I would not make the argument that like, the way Shakespeare used certain words or phrases is like what they quote really mean or what they right. still mean. But like go to but any if, major American city and there's going to be a Shakespeare production going on at some theater somewhere it's still being used. Right. Yeah, and it's still really sure. important to us. And also he coined the term eyeball. So. Yep. And if you want to understand what Shakespeare, like what he, he means, you need to familiarize yourself with some of these older sure. usages. Yeah. Right. Sure. Or they can be kind of reanimated to mean uh, to mean what they mean in today's context, and like a good theater director will like seize on that, maybe. Okay. You know, and sort of like um, like incorporate that into you know if they're trying to uh, bring things forward to the audience, whether politically or or even just aesthetically, or even just to reach an audience that maybe isn't like going to a lot of Shakespeare performances. You know, kind of connect. Um, I don't know what my point is here. I think I just. I, I, You're I talking guess about I, like what usage means when yeah. I say meaning is use. What what counts as usage? And I think like I guess my feeling is that sometimes when people say meaning is use, what they mean like they they mean it. Um, in such a way that means like I'm using a term this way and if you're not using it this way like that means if you if you if you misunderstand me that's sort of your own fault that's your own problem yeah right right like we once had a conversation where we were talking about the (laughs) sorry that we were talking about the industrial revolution versus like i don't know silicon valley and technology this would be a good segue and and i was you were saying like you were using the word disruption and i was like what are you talking about the industrial revolution was hugely disruptive and you were like but i'm using disruptive to mean like the way that it means when we talk about technological new products that are disruptive and i was like well come on dude i didn't know that i didn't know you were using it that way yeah right so right just disruptive it there's there's like a, a narrow technical meaning yeah that, that describes right. a particular exactly yeah right right that it, that describes a particular sort of process that happens in, in and businesses and, maybe, and that's that's yeah. what i was trying to talk about right and again and that's, maybe there's some ambiguity was, of language there right and it and it used to be kind of confined to like an industry lexicon let's say right. but now it's sort of like come out into the general you know it's like a, people and like, i should know, say it's been it's been and, diluted right like like that oh, narrow okay, that sure. narrow technical use has been totally bastardized <laughs> and and it's it's the word disruptive is used to refer to businesses that aren't at all disruptive according to the 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 narrow but technical. who cares because because use but who mean cares? Is you. exactly it, but it, it does mean that if you need to be careful if you are trying to talk about the narrow technical usage uh you know you need to sort of specify that like when i say disruption i'm talking about this process right um just so we're clear about that and it, it, it's it's confusing language you know language is hard um but you but know it has to mean something because otherwise it doesn't work exactly exactly but but what it means is is uh is how people use it Right, and that's where I feel like what people, all of them, all but all of them don't use it the same way. Right, so it means different things. Yeah, but but like, I don't 
don't know. Like I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of horrified by my own like sense that maybe words like have a, I don't believe yeah. they have a static meaning. I don't believe they have a stable meaning. And I'm not even sure that I want to do like correct versus incorrect, but I guess I feel like as entities, they have some integrity. Like so they, they have, have there is some integrity, right? To his- what a word means. So they, I mean, they can be more or less like, I would, I would say that the meaning can be more or less stable. But I just feel and, like, you know, you and, carry words carry around meanings just the yeah. way anything carries around right. they have anything. Like these these shadows. Well, maybe. I mean, but they, I, I would say they they like because words because words are used to mean lots of different things and and they we can have this sort of memory of how words uh like used to be used. Yeah, or, yeah, I think like, so. There's like again, a, a, an evocation de- or whatever. Yeah, and that totally happens, but that that depends upon like a certain familiarity with those older usages? Well, that's the question. I mean, not to get too like mystical or something, but I think some people would say that you don't have to be consciously aware of those older usages to kind yeah. of be um, like leveraging them or aware of them or kind of like attuned to them because these things stick around. I, you know, I think, I think that's probably, I think that's true. I think that's probably true. I think, I think the conscious part is an important qualifier there. But, but uh, it's like, it's still, it still acts upon people without guess, their necessarily knowing I guess my it. point is just that there's, there's limits to that and it's not inherent in the world. It's a, it's a, it's dependent on usage. Well, sure. Yeah. But I mean, so is everything, right? I mean, we, because all of this is social and it's constructed, blah blah blah. But that doesn't mean well, it doesn't have meaning to it, right? But but again, the meaning the meaning comes from how it's used or or how it has been used. I think maybe we don't disagree. It's just I want to be a little bit maybe. more. I want a longer timeline and I want a little broader definition of use. I haven't maybe. specified a timeline. That's true, but I I, I want it to be longer. I, I, don't, anyway. I don't know what the I don't I don't really know what the timeline is. Um, I think there's, there's a certain point where you have to say like, yeah, that's like, or, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the timeline is. Yeah. I don't know. You think um, there's a certain moment where like a meaning falls away because it's too archaic and exactly. it just doesn't it's adhere so, anymore. It's so dead. Like if you, if you read it, you know, you're reading the dictionary, one of those big thick ones that mm-hmm. went back from when they made them out of paper <laughs> and you'd find you're like reading through the definitions and you come to one where it's, where it actually says archaic. And you read this definition of the word and you're like, I had no idea this word could mean that. And like, it wouldn't have occurred to me in the slightest, like there's no resonance whatsoever for that meaning when I see this word, because it it didn't even occur to me that, right. And it, you know, there's, there's some point where that happens where, where there is no resonance because because the word just isn't used that way anymore. But but if you're what if or, you're or reading an used. old text that does use it that way, well, you better be con- you better you're know. You're going to be confused. Yeah, right. You're going to miss what the author was trying to communicate. Unless uh, you unless, you unless know that. well, and you might not need to. So I guess my point is, you might not need to know it by learning it in a dictionary or having someone tell you. You might just sort of pick up on it because sure, because of how the word is right, used because in the of context. how they use it. Right, and now it's sort of like it's the interaction between that text and your mind. It's back in use. Right. Like, I don't think totally. most people would ever say, like, um, we'll do the Christian thing, meaning what it used to mean to cer- in certain circles in Europe and America, which is, like, the generous thing or mm-hmm. the ethical thing. Like, that's not really that we, I, I hope we don't mean it that way anymore. But if, and, and even if nobody told you, oh, Christian used to mean blah, 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 if you read enough, like, uh, I don't know, uh, Charles Dickens books, you'll, you'll pick up totally. pretty fast, you right. know? Right. Context is powerful. 
Yeah, uh, and, yeah, yeah. And, and, you'll, and it you'll, can be just sort of absor- absorbed, you know totally. what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. So I kind of feel like we agree, but I, but I also kind of feel like maybe you're being reductive. <laughs> well, why am I being reductive? Because you really just want to say meaning is use and leave yeah. it at that. Yeah. Because you, because I mean, it's that's, like a that's slogan. Like, yeah, that's like the slogan version of the full argument. Yeah, yeah. But what's the other? Well, I feel like the other like, what's version the of the argument doesn't have a slogan. Like it's like what's the alternative? Well, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone would say like words have stable meanings that never change over time. People, like, no you, one would say that. Well, people, I, you know, the, the, my understanding is that this like this position wasn't really well articulated until like the mid twentieth century. Hmm. Um. Maybe a little bit earlier than that, but definitely I feel like, like it's got to be earlier because people started doing like linguistic research and kind of looking into the roots of all kinds I, of things I, well I, before I, the. I, I could century. I could be totally wrong about this, but it, like in in philosophy anyway, I I don't think anyone like at the earliest. I think this was like Wittgenstein. Sure. Uh, and maybe that's just because I don't know. What, I kind of feel like speaking of conservative, like slow moving disciplines. I think maybe philosophy is one of them. Right, but it's also the discipline that deals with things like this yeah but what about just linguistics so linguistics linguistics can tell you about how like like that the usage of words has changed and morphology and stuff like that but it doesn't really tell you anything about what meaning is I guess I'm thinking about like the early, early, maybe we wouldn't even call them linguists, but like these sort of like romantic things. Yeah. Which is like, by the way, totally out of fashion. Nobody does it anymore. But like, there are still philologists. There there are some, um, especially not in the United States. There's, it's still going strong. I I think they're within, within classics departments usually, I think. Yeah. But like these romantic philologists, let's say, who sort of like were like interested in like the way, you know, common people spoke and why they spoke the way they did. And, and oftentimes they, they discover or posited that you know people who are not urban were speaking more similarly to the way that they had spoken you know decades before like, right like sure. it was changing these language more slowly. Yeah. yeah yeah and so totally. i don't know i kind of feel like they were interested in things like but i think i think they use. probably also would have tried to say something about how these plain folk in the countryside were actually <laughs> speaking a more authentic version of the language they most certainly would have said which that. is which yeah. is uh, really not at all what what i'm talking about here yeah 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 right like the whole point is there is no more or less authentic right it like it really is a uh uh like a so so for for you it's like it's it's a postmodern it has to be like a postmodern concept to be like nothing has any meaning it's all it's all up for grabs yeah i mean that's (laughs) sure (laughs) right like but again like like i think before people were 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 sort of hung up on correct and incorrect usage of words and, and whatnot. And I don't know, I honestly don't know where they thought that normative element came into it. Like, I don't know what the source of that normativity sure, was. Sure, sure, sure. I honestly don't understand. I like, guess. Wh- what do they mean by inherent? Like what's, yeah, what, what's inherent for, in a word for German romantic scholars. It may have had something to do with some sort of Ursprache or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, in but the I, beginning was the word, right? Or Christ yeah. is the word made flesh. Like words have a kind of religious shine on them in certain places in certain times that would that might allow you to sort of understand them as holy or at least 
stable in some way yeah. that we wouldn't we would like, have given up on completely and maybe yeah. that's why like as a poet i'm sort of like but words are these entities right <laughs> like they're yeah. these beings and they have like something in them they they're independent of humans in some way which i right. mean i understand makes no sense like logically or something but I but it may know. also be useful in creating poetry to think of it that way. Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that's really true. Regardless of whether or not it's true in some other sort of sense. Well, right. Uh, there's, right. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. I, you know, we should move on to our next topic. I'm just yeah, going to I want to make one last point to close out. It's a little bit of a, of a side point, but this okay. makes me think of it. So um, as, as our listeners might know, I, I, like to read, I like to read ancient Greek. Yeah, I was going to kind of bring that up. So I'm glad yeah. you did. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and... One of the, there, there's a lot of interesting things, a lot of interesting differences between learning a quote unquote dead language yeah. versus learning a, a living language. Yep, and yep. In some ways, it's a lot harder because it's it's very difficult to do any sort of immersion. <laughs> yeah. So you you end up learning like memorizing a lot of grammar and memorizing a lot of vocabulary, and then sort of reading things in a way that's really more like decoding than reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh. And it's 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 quite different from actually being fluent in a language. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even like a lot of um, a lot of people who have very good quote unquote reading knowledge of of Greek or Latin, um, you know, would would be like you can't this, put any text in front of them, right? Right, and 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 the, have them the, pick it up and just be like, oh, I know what this is. I I know how to read this. Yeah, and 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 the reading it's it is more of just sort of like de- decoding than reading naturally mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of people. Now, um, one of the things that I think happens, especially in, uh, and not to pick on like the theology students, but like a lot of a lot of theology or divinity students who learn Greek in order to read the New Testament, they really really never get beyond that decoding part. Mm-hmm. So th- so you end up doing this thing where you read a word, and you're like, oh, that's an interesting word. Say logos, which is the word in the Gospel sure. of John that they used to mean the word when you say like right. in, in yeah, the yeah, beginning yeah. was the word and ente arche and halogos. Um, you can look at, uh, if you look in a Greek dictionary, you'll have this very long list of definitions of logos. Right. And, and someone might do a quote unquote exegesis where you say like, oh, well, look at all this ambiguity here. And it could mean this or it could mean that or it could right. mean this. Um, and like there's there's like some value in that. But I feel like in a lot of cases, the the actual text is not at all ambiguous. Uh, and you can like if you actually if you're like comfortable yeah. in the language and actually know how words are actually used, it's very clear what it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. The, there's more ambiguity implied by um, – just by looking up the word in the dictionary, then for sure, then is really a thing, uh, and I think that's a, it's a it, it's a bad scholarship, and it, it makes me sad when I when I hear people doing things like that. I I would agree with you almost a hundred percent, but I would sort of I would just add one footnote, which is just to say. But people have been doing that for so many years. People totally. who aren't fluent in Greek and anything other than reading the Gospels have been like, so there's sort of like these layers of people having done that, right? And so yeah. like in some oh, ways- a long tradition of it. Right. In some ways now, in, it, it does mean all those things because people have been saying that it could mean all these things since like right. whenever, so 1842 like, oh, or yeah, right. 1709. Like within, within the- uh, exegetical community right there's all this sort of or body of text yeah right but that's different from saying like uh like that meaning that that uh that ambiguity is implied by the text itself well it probably isn't what the author meant but there's nobody reading that text who has anything like the author's 
relationship with that language anymore. Yeah, right. So right, I right. don't know. Maybe now I agree with you and you agree with me or something. Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, uh, that, Synthesis. that was a good, good talk. Good talk. Yeah, it was. I like that. I like that. Uh, let's see if we can do that with uh, with our topic number we'll two. We'll see, here. but it might be hopeless. We'll see. I'm, I'm actually very, <laughs> I'm very interested. Yay. Okay. okay, let's do it. Why Amos is a vulgar Marxist <laughs> or, or why all, parentheses, question mark, Cultural change is the result of changes in material conditions. Okay, so you already changed it because it was going to be technology. Well, I, I, when we were talking in, on, on, I don't know, a couple episodes ago, I, I, I thought I broadened it to say that I meant material con- changes in material conditions. All right, let's hear. Let's have but either it. way, I think most changes in material conditions are the result of technological changes anyway. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so let me start off by saying that I probably don't, quite believe in the maximalist version of this position, but I'll put it out there and, and let you push back if you want. So, yeah. Okay. So uh, from old people complaining about kids today to liberals complaining about Trump degrading the discourse, people love talking about cultural changes. Uh, but when they talk about what causes these changes, they usually make some sort of gauzy appeal to cultural forces. I think these changes are at least partially driven by changes in material conditions, which is mostly technological change. So first off, what are, what are material uh, conditions uh, and what are technological changes? So material conditions are just the actual physical circumstances of people's lives. And technological change, I, I don't just mean things like electronics and, um, I don't know, uh, what, what we think of as like high tech or like computers and stuff. I, I really mean technology broadly. So uh, everything from stone tools to container ships to iPhones. Um, so to return to one of my older, earlier examples, kids these days, old people complain about them, uh, but even a cursory glance at any sort of public health data shows that uh, the kids these days use fewer drugs, get pregnant less often, even the women, and commit fewer crimes. <laughs> now, did human beings become better in the last 20 years? Uh, more moral? Did, they, um, did pop culture become less violent? Uh, are people playing fewer video games? I don't really think so. Uh, but people born in the last 30 years uh, were exposed to way less lead than were children, uh, than children born earlier, especially before the phase out of leaded gasoline began in, in 1975. So I would say that there's, there's a, a pretty strong argument to make that a lot of these quote unquote cultural changes are because kids these days have, have, less uh, lead poisoning than kids before did. Um, And I could tell a pretty convincing story about how cable TV and the internet have allowed niche voices to find an audience, which has allowed formerly fringe positions to hollow out the center of American politics, leading to the election of someone like Trump. Uh, And obviously Trump is his own man and um, sort of responsible for his own actions. But, uh, but I think he was enabled by larger technological forces. I'm not sure how to uni- universalize this argument. So, I, I, you know, I can, I can look at sort of any particular sort of cultural change and tell a story about how it was the result of uh, material or technological change. But, but I don't know how to make the argument in the abstract. Because um, it's wrong. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, I'll just say that this, this is a way of thinking that, thinking about things that I I found really productive and illuminating and maybe you will too. Okay. Well, um, I do in some ways and in other ways, not so much. Do do you think it's reductive? Of course. Okay. (laughs) 
Just and I think you do too, right? I mean, the the, the point I do, of but I doing can't, it, I can't is, figure out where it's wrong. You think it's a productive reduction? It's a pro- production. <laughs> That's not what that means. Damn. Um, so okay, so a couple of things just to like kind of peel the top layer. Um, I don't think it makes you a vulgar Marxist, um, oh, okay. or or maybe it does. But but I think you know one thing to be really clear about is that. Marx doesn't say, and neither does Marxism say, that all change is the result either of technology or of material conditions. What Marx says is all history is a history of class struggle, right? So the, so the, yeah, big, yeah. So the big thing there is history is driven by class um, and by uh, changes and struggles among and between classes. And that's dependent on material conditions and, and possibly and you know, quite probably technological disruptions haha or changes but it's it's not exactly the same as it, I mean, it sounds everything like, is, a, is is the result of of material conditions it, it sounds like you're saying it, it's everything's the result of media of of, of technological or, or changes in material conditions as mediated by class i don't think i'm exactly saying that but i think the other thing to just i mean anyway, if we're to take I, yeah, a, I, don't, I don't really want this to be an argument about Marks. Uh, well, let me just say one more thing about him, then. Okay. So, so just really quickly, I think part of the part of the reason that since this was your title, right? Like mm. part of the reason that people call this thing vulgar, vulgar Marxism is that Marx makes a really, really strong case for taking material conditions seriously. And mm-hmm. right. So when you say everything is right, you being like, we need to make this the prime, we need to understand this as the primary mover of society and social change. Right. But part of the reason that he's so, um, so hits on this. And if you want the really technical language, right, it's, it's, he wants to say change, if change happens in the base, not in the superstructure. Right. Mm. So he wants to say, like, the material, basic, uh, uh, physical, economic, gritty reality of everyday life, rather than some kind of abstract, philosophical, potentially even cultural, what we would call cultural um, sort of stuff. The reason that he's so, or one of the reasons he's so insistent is that he's responding to a philosophical tradition that says exactly the opposite. Right. That says everything sort of starts up in this superstructure. It's all abstract. Yeah, right. It's all abstract. Yeah. Oh, it's all sort of like this social stuff is uh, I'm I'm doing a hand motion that's like, you know, f- up up in the air, up in the ether. There's a, and and maybe that ether is just in sort of intellectual people's brains or something. But but he yeah. wants to flip it on its head. So part of the reason that he's so insistent and that therefore Marxism becomes so insistent is is that it's like it's pushing against the opposite. Um, that's interesting. Assertion and so like we might want to say like actually speaking of Marxism, we might say like what would be productive is a dialectic an account, mm. right? That's so like a thesis and an antithesis that would then result in synthesis that says some things are caused by this and some things are caused by this, but they're kind of intensely and intimately bound up together, right? Culture mm-hmm. and material life are actually kind of tangled together. But I yeah. guess the question I would ask you, because I don't think this is true, and I think it reduces culture to kind of a, a, a decoration on yeah, society, yeah, yeah. which I'm not into in the slightest. Very but decorative. I, I guess the question would be like, why does technological change happen then? I mean, some of it, or, or material change, some of it is sort of like acts of yeah, god right? The, the, right the the town fell off the mountain so <laughs> but right. but like people chose to say pass a law that i don't know anything about the delighting of gas i'm sorry but i'm assuming no. it's a policy change right totally. so yep. like so somebody had to make those choices some somebody's had to make those choices yeah. why do those choices get made they can't you know you can't be actually arguing if you want a reason for your you know if you're like why can't i uh why can't i generalize or universalize this i mean basically it's sort of like so all technological change is caused by other technological change? And so who right. ch- changes technology? I mean, who makes technology? People. Why do they do it? Well, there's lots of reasons. Money, 
in inventiveness. You know, there's I, I don't know that like you could say like well, everything is just caused by technology because technology is not a natural. I don't like the word natural, but it's like that's not mm-hmm. it doesn't just naturally occur in the world like technology just pops up and suddenly like there's iPhones growing on trees and people are like, Oh, how do I use this right. thing? Like yeah, somebody yeah, decided yeah. we should all have this. And part yep. of the reason they decided that was that they want to make a million dollars. Yeah. 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 So then we're back to, okay, so this is, we're in, this is like, oh, this is a result of economics, which isn't, which you know, isn't just about material things and technology. It's also about like emotions and why we like shiny things and why we buy the way we do. And you know, cool stuff like that. So let me just draw a distinction, though, between, um, right, like the existence of those things, those sort of non-technological forces. Yeah. And, and um, how to put this, right? Like, maybe those things are sort of constants. The forces. Yeah. The those, cultural forces. Yeah. Hmm. And, 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 you know, what we see as cultural change is the result of the interaction of those constant forces with um, technological change. And other, I mean, other I guess if you want to develop a theory of history that says that, you can, but I don't think it's going to hold true for very long or mm-hmm. be applicable to very many historical periods or events or moments that you want to figure out i mean i guess the question is why does one thing have to explain everything i don't know (laughs) i mean what you said earlier was that you found it productive to think with and i think that's different right being like this is a really productive lens to use so like it helps me think stuff through that's different than being like this explains everything totally totally and and you know just to be clear like I like I I don't think I know enough about any of this stuff to have a strong opinion about whether or not uh whether or not it changes at, uh, whether or not it explains everything. I guess what I found is Yeah, like maybe you can give an example of like ha- some some time when this was like really fruitful to think mm-hmm. about. Well, I think I I think the actually that example about about Trump has been helpful for me. Sure. Where where you can throw your hands up about the coarsening of, of culture. Um, but if you don't, to my mind, if you don't understand like the technological changes that cause something to happen, then you're, you're missing an important part of the story. I would say that's true. And yeah. And, 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 and I think, uh, I guess, I guess for me, I, I, I feel like that, I feel like I'm seeing analyses that are leaving that part out. Yeah. And, and I think and those treating, are probably, probably going to lose, like they're going to be wrong or they're going to miss like really vital They're going to miss something stuff. really important. And, and if you're and, a student of our current moment and you're like, I want to understand this, like this is bonkers, like, and very urgent. I need to understand. I need to know that's going to like leave you being like, well, it doesn't really do it for me. Yeah. Right. And, and, and furthermore, I think it can lead to, to, problems where um where the solution is really wrongheaded could be <laughs> you know sure. so i guess i guess let me back up a little bit like I, I i guess i i one of the dynamics here and this isn't quite the same argument but i think it's it's uh one that sort of often runs in parallel is sort of a, a disagreement about um well i don't know if this is true actually maybe I'm, i'll throw this out there i don't know if it's true or not but but that you often see arguments again if, when you're talking about like 
the present moment, I say that that I think sort of overweight individual uh, individuals and and the choices mm-hmm. of individuals as opposed to uh, larger sort of structural mm-hmm. changes. Um, where am I going with that? So I don't know. Oh, yeah, I don't want to lose. Don't want to lose those larger, larger structural things. I think that's that. That makes sense, and 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 you shouldn't you shouldn't lose them. Like they're really important social. They're really important in understanding society. But I, I guess I would say two things. Like, um, the the first one is like just just back to just back to Marxism, Marxism as a good example, especially vulgar Marxism, right? So 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 Marxism as it gets deployed as a political ideology that's used by political parties, sometimes made up by people who are. Uh, interested in a blunt message or a blunt object to achieve their aim rather than like some kind of philosophical nuance. Mm. Um, but like one thing that happens is like Marxists will explain everything to you in terms of capitalism. Every social yeah, ill right. is an economic ill. That's a fault of capitalism that can be solved. And if we just solve capitalism, right, if we get rid of it, then your problem will be solved. And the, and the issue here is that, you know, things like ethnic hatred, racism, Problems sexism, are older than capitalism. They, well, lots of problems are older than capitalism. And I think Marx would actually... Um, agree that like some a problem like uh the problem of stratification or the seizure of power by one group over and above the others absolutely predates capitalism right he's not trying to say like this suddenly happened but but people will try to tell you that if we get rid of this then your problems will be solved and that's a good excuse for telling you to wait right like just wait women your all your problems will be solved when we get rid of capitalism oh i see yeah sure and so and and that's a real problem it also means that you can't explain things that happen historically certain kinds of things because you're like why did these people kill these other people well because of economic reasons you're like well they hated them (laughs) right and like and sometimes the social forces right like you're calling them social forces of hatred might actually be at least somewhat separate and and powerful on their own um and so i think like yeah you got to be careful of that and i think the other thing is like if you're thinking about a theory of history which i think you kind of are or or at least a theory of society like the job of historians is to um identify continuities and breaks that is to say Hmm. to identify turning points that are important and your lens your disciplinary lens or your subfield is going to help you identify those so there are going to be historians like of politics let's say of american politics and they'll they will they will say that there are breaks at certain moments and sometimes those moments are absolutely down to technology it's like when radio happened when the first televised election right and then the the incursion of the internet and like Mm -hmm. that's a really good argument but it's not it can't possibly be the whole argument all the time for everything. Like maybe that argument only works when there's a new technology. Maybe. Cause otherwise, like how would you explain it's like everything is a result of technology, but sometimes things really aren't the same as they were. You lost me there. Well, I mean, I guess I'm just wondering whether this kind of flattens things and like makes everything sort of the same. Like, well, everything is always about material conditions, but like sometimes things are different than they were, right? Like sometimes there isn't, there is a break and you have to explain why. And can you always say, well, the reason is material conditions because, because material conditions would then also be the reason that everything, if things are the same, it's also the reason things are the same. Right. Right. But I guess I don't think that's like necessarily a problem. Like, I don't know, like, you know, especially with technology, like the way it changes is, is lumpy. Mm-hmm. So it the way everything changes is lumpy. Yeah. Right. So, so if, if, 
you know, if if you if you were going to take like a maximalist position on this and say like all all historic or you know all cultural changes is, is the result of technological change, then you wouldn't expect cultural change to be constant. Right. Sure. But I guess the question is also like, uh, I don't know. What do you lose? Here's the other question. What do you lose if you say, okay, we're going to pay attention to technological changes. Yeah, we're right. going to use them to explain stuff. What are you losing? What are you losing in your story? Yeah. Right. Right. Versus saying technological change is the, the cause of all cultural change. Well, I mean, if you say that, right. then you've now diminutized culture to the sort of like, whatever like the bitch of technology yeah yeah and i I know you love that idea but like you're gonna miss big swaths of your story no i think you're right and i i think i i actually think that the thing that you said that is really sticking me with was sort of the example of something like racism which you can tell a story about about the relationship between technology and sort of the rise of european racism you could yep and, and it would have could. a lot to do with like advances in navigation and shipbuilding technology that increased. You could tell an economic story that has slavery at, at its center, and and people do. There are people who totally. say, right who put put that kind of economics at the center of their story of race. Right, and there are and, historians who do that, and that's an important uh, an important way of looking. It sure at is. It. But I think you would also have to say that it, you're you're missing something important, and that racism sort of takes on a life of its own. And many things uh, do. Yeah. Yeah, right. right. So I think I think that's a really good counterexample, and um, I can see that you've shown me why I was wrong. <laughs> I've shown you why bacon is snails. <laughs> I love snails. I have snails every morning. Yum. Snails are nice. Uh, what was the name of the snail in uh, Neverending Story? Oh, the big one. The racing snail. Did he? Did people ride on him? Yeah, the dude. He had like a. a uh, did he have remember. a key? Did he have to wind him up? I don't know. I don't remember. The guy he wrote, yeah. There, anyway, there was a guy. Check it out. Never ending story. A guy wrote a, a racing snail. I remember that. Yeah. Okay, so we were both being a little reductive, and we both learned things, right? Kind of. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I feel like I learned something. Yeah, and I mean, I guess I would just also say that, like, my, my the horse I have in this race or whatever is that, like, I do care about things other than technology and material conditions. I, yeah. That doesn't mean I don't care about those things, but I do care about those things, and I don't think it helps me study those things to be like, this is all because of technology. Like, mm-hmm. that, like you could say that, and it could be true, but then what? Right. It does, mm. Like, you need more. Mm-hmm. No, it's like, probably not true. You though. could write a. I mean, I'm not. This is not my interest. But like, you could write a really interesting history, say, of opera that really puts technology and material conditions at its heart, and that would be cool. But like, right. you could probably do one of those books, and that would suffice. <laughs> like, you're going to yeah. need more to like actually know more. That that'll be about one thing. It won't yep. be about the whole thing. Totally. Yeah, and not that opera. I mean, that's just sort of like a. That's an extreme case of like things that people think of as purely cultural i I don't think that's really right but you know what i mean right yeah right nationalism that's going to be important if you like care about wagner totally totally yeah hey this is fun yeah i hope our listeners thought it was fun too i hope so is is that it are we done i mean i don't know i feel like i'm sad it's like i feel nostalgic what do you feel for season two oh well it's not even done yet well i mean I'm I'm watching technologically. I'm watching our recorded tick tick up towards sixty minutes, and then you know yeah, that'll, that's kind of the end of the line, isn't it? I mean, not usually. <laughs> 
well, this would be good if we be verbose. We do. We especially the last the last few episodes. You you may not listeners. You may not think that S two E four was verbose, but that's because we cut like half of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, why'd we cut it? Because it wasn't very good. <laughs> that's the kind of serious, uh, rigorous quality control we have here. That's very at rigorous. Tell me why I'm wrong. Fifty percent of minutes. We're not good enough for your ear holes. Every now and then we do something and we listen to it like, Jesus Christ, we can't, we can't put this out. We can't put this on the internet. It's, yeah. it's bad. We sound bad. Right. Like, and, I mean, basically we do this podcast in order for you all to think that we're smart. And <laughs> when we put stuff out that makes us sound dumb, you won't think we're smart and we can't have that. I mean, they might already think we're dumb just all the time, but like we're ho- we're trying to like avoid that a little bit. We at least want to be able to think that we think that you might think that we sound smart. Exactly. Also, we're doing this for fun. It's a hobby, and that means we can <laughs> do whatever we want. Like we're not any, you know, it's not like we we have some like board of trustees or something that's like you <laughs> said you would put out these episodes and you didn't and therefore you're in default and now you're fired or something. That's true. What if one day one of us was just fired and there was like a new host and we didn't say anything about it and it was just like completely mysterious? And we could, I mean, maybe we could put out like a, a press release <laughs> like thanking the, 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 the missing host <laughs> for their service to the, you know, and say something about how, how they'll be missed, but without you know, say <laughs> With like no explanation. Oh, right. Like, Amos has decided to spend uh, more time with his family. Yeah, and, and move on from the show. We thank him, him for his service and all the great episodes he did. And we're confident that you'll grow to love his, that that you'll love his replacement just as much. Uh, <laughs> please welcome so and so as he comes on board the team. Yeah, uh, yeah. I feel like people wouldn't care about that as like as much as I'm imagining. I'm like there would be a riot in the street. I don't think we have enough listeners to have a riot, <laughs> Sophie. Please don't riot. Nobody needs to riot <laughs> right now on our behalf. For sure. I mean, right? Because because the bottom line is that neither of us is getting. Um, I think we just started a great rumor though. <laughs> Did you hear Amos is getting fired from Tell Me Why I'm Wrong? <laughs> it's because he believes that technology is the engine of all change. Ugh, can't have that. Yeah, it's too controversial. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so if you're really, really good, we might do a bonus. Yeah, we, we didn't come up with any criteria for uh, what that would look like. You could yeah. write us You could write us little notes and we could respond to them. That would be fun. And that would be a fun bonus episode. Yeah, right. right? Send, write send, us notes. Send us some emails. How do you yeah. send us emails? Easy. Go to our website, <laughs> tmwiw.net. Go to the contact tab. You, there's a little form. You fill it out. It sends us an email. I promise to check for emails. <laughs> I promise. Yeah. Oh, Sophie, I, we got an email a little while ago. <laughs> we did? Well, <laughs> we don't did. give it away. No, I, mean, I am totally going to give it. For the bonus. Well, okay. No, no, do it. Do it. Oh, okay. it, was, uh, it was like from some marketing company and was like, <laughs> I saw a recent blog post on your website. Would you like to contact me about how to maximize engagement and get you more uh, readers? And I, I wrote back and I said, oh, this sounds very interesting. Uh, what was your favorite article that you saw on our website? <laughs> it's a joke because we don't have articles Any on article. our website. Yeah. So if you got, here's the thing. If you don't, if you don't write us, then we're just going to be stuck re- reading that little note and responding to that, which basically already happened. So yeah. boring. boring. Write to us. We know some of you either loved or hated some of these and you've been wanting to tell us about it. So don't hold back any longer. Come out swinging. Okay. Yeah. So. 
Follow me on Twitter at Amos Worth. Follow the show at TMWIW Podcast. Don't follow Sophie because you can't. Uh, <laughs> but you can always send her an email from the website. Yep, you sure can. And I would love and it. And she promises to read it as long as I check the and send it to her. <laughs> and um, thanks By for mail, listening. you have to print it out and put I'm a not, stamp I'm on not it. Doing that. And a bird flies to my house with it in its beak and then no, I don't want opens to do it birds. and sings to me while I read it. Uh, thanks for listening to season two of Tell Me Why I'm Wrong. We'll be back either with a bonus episode or with uh, with season three in a little while. Yay! 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 Bye, everyone!